This is Mindset for Success with your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Each week, she will interview women entrepreneurs to explore the unconscious psychological struggles they faced as they build their businesses and how they overcame them. Here's your host, Leslie Knudsen. I'm happy, I'm happy to welcome this week's distinguished guest, Camille Jane. Camille has been a turnaround CEO of public, private, and nonprofit companies in consumer electronics, digital video, financial services, and CBG industries. Her astute business leadership resulted in stunning successes, helping small entrepreneur businesses to large public companies. Camille has achieved Respect as a business professor, a mentor, and an exceptionally giving philanthropist, the Jane Group helps clients pave the way to rapid growth. Welcome, Camille. Thank you, Leslie. Camille, would you um, start by telling our listeners a bit about your growing up and what what drew you to work as a turnaround CEO? Well, I was born in Detroit of Lebanese parents, and um, my father was a surgeon. My mother was a homemaker. She was kind of like Martha Stewart of the world. She also started a, a French language school back then, and saw two really hardworking, great work ethic uh, parents, but also we were immigrants, so it was interesting to see how they navigated that very successfully. Uh, I'm the third of three children, so of, um, I think everybody in our immediate family were type A personalities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very driven. Um, my older sister and brother were very successful. My sister became a federal magistrate judge. My brother, uh, chief of medicine at Harvard and top research guy. So I do feel that one of my drivers very um, formative years was fear of failure. I didn't want to be the first one to fail on the family. And that really was, and I go a lot into drivers when I work with people, but I fell into business. I actually have an undergrad and a master's from Stanford University in graphic and um, uh, package design. So I was working with companies, like you said, consumer packaged goods companies to design their logos and their packaging. And uh, But when you're on the creative end, you're kind of on the tail end after somebody else has come up with understanding whether consumers in the marketplace need that nobody else is doing as well. And I realized I wanted to get on the more on the front end, strategic end. And so I went back and got my MBA from the University of Michigan in uh, product development and marketing, and then really started my career at places like the Pillsbury Company and Procter & Gamble in new product development. And I just really thrived there. I think my creative background helped, but then learning the whole strategic side to help new products get in the marketplace and grow, that eventually one of my other drivers was I really wanted to be heard, and I think that also goes back to my family being the third one at the dinner table. It's like, nobody cares. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I was very driven to be head of the product, head of the uh, department, head of the division, and ultimately taking on very big projects that other people couldn't solve. And what it takes to do that 
with the team and all these things that you learn. Eventually, I got known for uh, being able to figure out complex um, problems and that eventually led to being head of digital TV for the largest cable company in the world, John Malone's vision. Given that, eventually I started getting calls saying, hey, do you want to come be the president and CEO to turn around a company? And that was my first one 22 years ago. It's a, a relatively good-sized public company. And then I just stayed in the turnaround business for 22 years. Hmm. It kind of reminds me a little bit about your parents sort of figuring out complex situations to come to the U.S. and mm-hmm. raise a family and mm-hmm. start start successful careers, too. So um, complexity and figuring out how to do stuff is familiar to you. Yeah, and it is so, as you know, it's so multifaceted from leadership to uh, operational things to mm-hmm. workplace health. It's just, it's everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And were you able to um, mentor your sort of young, ambitious women who need to understand how to do that? I mean, can you break that down into manageable, I don't know, actionable pieces for people sure. to hear? Sure. I, I do mentor people professionally. I, I have seven profession, business professionals now, four of whom are entrepreneurs and, and startup entrepreneurs. So that fits with the uh, Women's Entrepreneurs Global very well. And um, two of them are men and another one is, is not an entrepreneur. Well, three of them are men, four of them are women. Yes, we really do first start. I think um, first if you decide you want to be a leader, and that's a decision you have to really think about. I start working with people to get to be very self-reflective uh, so they could be self-aware of who they are, how they manage, uh, what their personal brand is, what their drivers are. Because I just find that people, especially the leaders, do not take enough time doing that. And when you really have a grasp on why you are doing what you're doing, what is driving your decisions mm-hmm. and your behavior, and you understand that, and then you understand your personal brand, which are human characteristics and attributes that you display all the time that you want to display that others describe you. People have to start with that because that is understanding that it's like their it's their social currency. It helps it helps them stake their ground and mm-hmm. stand their ground. When you understand that and you have developed a real foundation and there's so much that goes into that, then your foundation will back you up so you know that you have people behind you when you're sticking your ground and when you're standing your ground it gives you more courage and ability to be effective. So we do we go through I go through all that when I'm mentoring people first. And then we get to their business. We have to go through what business are you in, what industry are you in, who are your target segments, what products, um Strategic and business planning, operational processes, KPIs. So, yeah, it's very a very logical flow. And if they don't want to go through that, I will not mention that. <laughs> I'll go through it. 
yeah, it, it makes me think that you've been uh, very successful at making the right relationships during your career, and that strength has also in, um, created incredible career opportunities for you. I wonder if you can explain to your listeners a little bit about how you've done this, and, and why do you think it's so important to have social currency? I don't think you'll be effective if you don't have that because um, leadership is both being a great leader and a great member of a team. Mm -hmm. And you really have to understand and focus on doing those well, regardless of what even area of business you're in. So this is product leaders, department leaders, division leaders. I, I think I got a reputation for that because... While I felt I certainly needed to prove something myself um, as one of my, my key drivers, and I wanted to make money and get financial security, I also, once I kind of got a good reputation, people expect you to do well. Well, let's bring Leslie and let's bring mm-hmm. Dylan. But mm-hmm. then the driver of tremendous fear of disappointing others kicks in. You do not want to not... Um, meet their expectations. I was mm-hmm. driven to exceed expectations. So, yes, I got a reputation. And especially as a turnaround uh, CEO before that, when you're successful, you're successful for everybody. Mm-hmm. So you, you're doing this for everybody. I took very seriously, as I do with my mentees or my, my consulting clients. You know, you're responsible for people's um, incomes for their mortgages for their kids education so when you win it is a team win and when you get good credibility for that i've been i don't want to call it lucky because i feel you know i've really worked my uh, behind off with mm-hmm. the team to get these results that eventually i had the confidence to stand on saying uh, my personal brand promise, which was adopted for the consulting company, the Jane Group, is I will stun you with unbelievable results. That's a big promise. Mm-hmm. And stun, stun reflects we will do it faster than anybody else. And unbelievable results, more than you expected in a shorter time frame. And thankfully, uh, we've not failed at that. But it takes, I hate this, it takes a village, but it takes mm-hmm. a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but you're you're pulling them along, you're coaching and mentoring them, and then the, the to me the job of a good turnaround person or a good coach is that you transfer the knowledge to those and you leave. You know you mm-hmm, they've mm-hmm. learned and you can go on to other things. As a consultant, I'm never one to say I want to keep getting more and more business from the same client. I want to leave. Because mm-hmm. I've known that now they can do it. And then I go try and help somebody else. So, In your career, was there ever a time when you struggled with what your core purpose or mission was? Yeah, I thought about that a lot. I think I was very, well, certainly not after I got into the business world. I, I, was, I was very driven to get results. I never really had the aspiration to be a CEO. Um, I, I just wanted to fix things and and do it with the team and bring them along. I, I actually started as a designer, as a teacher. I am a teacher at heart. Um, mm-hmm. So 
I consider what I do, either whether consulting or as a turnaround, and I've had turnaround public companies, private, and nonprofits, I consider it a part of teaching. And um, when you teach, your students eventually leave. So my role is to leave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I don't think I ever um, was... It just evolved, but again, I until I got the call saying, hey, you've done all these things as division heads of companies, would you consider coming here and looking at this company? And then, you know, like a week later, they, the board said, would you consider becoming the C- CEO? And I went, well, let me think about this, because I didn't mm-hmm. want to disappoint them. And it just, I just kept getting calls. I turned down some calls, you know, mm-hmm. because... Mm-hmm. People say, I remember J.D. Power, uh, wonderful Dave Power, who founded J.D. Power and Associates. He, um, he hired me to turn around one of his companies, and um, I was flattered. And I said, oh, my goodness. He said, well, don't be surprised. He said, just keep doing what you're doing because that's what I, that's what I need, you to be you. So I think once you have a clear path of who you are, then you also know, he said, you've been successful in every industry you've been in, and I've never gone into the same industry for the next job. I never know any industry I'm going in. I think that's why I can mentor people so much because I have a process. Mm-hmm. And he said, why is that? And I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't take on any challenge unless I think it really caters to my strengths. Why would I do that? So mm-hmm. I, think I, have a, I have turned down. I got a call years ago, Shelter, aging myself, Years ago, when Chili Packard was looking for a new CEO, and mm-hmm. I knew what they were doing. They were calling women CEOs or head of divisions. So I got that call. I think their recruiting firm was Hydro Construction. And I, it was my first year as uh, the chairman and CEO of the Universal Electronics Public Company. And uh, they asked if I would consider interviewing for the job. And I thought about it. I said, no. I said a couple things. I, Openly, I said, I haven't finished what I promised them I was going to do here at mm-hmm. Universal Electronics. I said, I have employees and shareholders, and we're not done yet. Because the turnaround usually takes to be ultimately the reason about three years. So I said, I respectfully decline. I hung up the phone. I said, that's an unforgiving job. And uh, while I'm used to politics, I knew a good amount. Hewlett Packard had been a client of uh, my consulting company. So I inside there and I didn't want the job. I said, no, I don't want it, you know. And they have mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, yeah, you don't take on it. Mm-hmm. You have to really want to take on what you're offered to make it work. Well, I have to, I, and the way I do that is understanding my strengths, my abilities, what I do well. You have to know what you don't do well. Uh, you and I had uh, a chat before about mm-hmm. uh, some things where I said, you know, that that's not my area. So again, I not only don't want to disappoint others, I don't want to disappoint myself. It's really nice working with the team and being successful. <laughs> I don't like the alternative. So, right. One of the things you said to me is that the fear of failure over the years has changed to fear of disappointing people. Yes. Yes. And it, it, it says it's as driving the fear of disappointing others as the fear of failure was. I know, I believe I will not fail at anything I take on now because I do have a process and I and I, I've seen it work. So I 
I feel pretty confident of that. Mm-hmm. But the expectations are so high, and I put them very high on myself. I just don't want to deliver, let's say, on the finances. I want to blow it out of the park. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I want to do that for other it's, people. Have you always felt like you were competitive, even as a young yeah. woman, a young girl? And yeah. part of that, of course, is your upbringing, right? With two very yeah. competitive success, well, parents and then siblings, older siblings. Yes, and we were, um, I was an athlete, so I was on the tennis team, the varsity tennis, lacrosse team, hockey team. I was on the Stanford tennis team, so very, very competitive. But all of my sports were uh you know, hockey, lacrosse, or team sports. Um, while in tennis, I played singles. You're on a team. You want to win for the team. Mm-hmm. So competition is a good thing. And once again, you you don't want to let up, down others. You know, mm-hmm. so. um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about if you've ever experienced or mentored women who have that in negative internal chatter about their performance. They can't do it. They're not going to do it well enough. Um, and that makes sort of decision-making more difficult, risk-taking more difficult. If you've ever experienced that or, or have mentored women, um, what have you sort of learned on how to overcome this? Sure. Um, women, for sure, men and women, um, I, I go into first, we go into their drivers. I have, uh, and I do a lot of uh, lectures and classes, and there are about, 21 drivers that I list, and there are more. And we really go in. I said, if you um, you have to tell me which ones do they think really drive you, because those that are driving their feelings about themselves, their mm-hmm. decisions, their um, you know their self esteem a little bit. But so we go through that, and they can really then understand this is why you're making these decisions. They affect what you fight for most. You'll understand your behavior better, mm-hmm. but you also know you also need to put your good drivers to work. We go through a lot of that, which help. Over, then we go into their personal brand attributes because I live by this about ten times a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say if you are going to go out and ask people to list five attributes that describe you, that you know can be good and bad, but then mm-hmm. we settle on the one that they want to uphold every day. Mm-hmm. Those together with their drivers, things like they might be curious, or they're driven, or they want to be an excellent example to people, or they're really creative, they're a good problem solver, they're compassionate. Every day, so you settle on five to seven attributes that become your personal brand. And I say in every meeting, in every conversation, every day, are you upholding your attributes? And then it, or you, in the morning, you say, what attributes do you have to really push today? And at the end of the day, in every meeting, every conversation, should you have upheld your brand attributes differently, mm-hmm. better? It is a check. And I, I live by this. It helps people and women truly um, be accountable, but for who they are. And mm-hmm. once you start seeing that working, it will help you. It also helps you stake your ground and stand your ground when you are in many uncomfortable situations. I mean, in any world, certainly, but the business world, uh, you're in uncomfortable situations constantly. So mm-hmm. you're 
your drivers, your bread, and help you understand that. So we do work a lot. I do that, I do that when I head up a company. I have a management team. I have one-on-ones every week with all my direct reports. Mm -hmm. uh, and I may not be their mentors, but I'm their supervisor. So I do it with everybody. Right. And it is really close to teaching, isn't it? There's something very, um, very comfortable and familiar for you to, to do teaching. Yes, and I, you know, I let them know what mine is. Like one of my attributes, people, I did like a survey of over 200 people, so I got a lot of input. Mm -hmm. One that kept coming right to the top was tough. I said, I am, I am tough in mm -hmm. the business world. That's okay because everybody else has said she's very kind. She's fair, so you mm -hmm. have to balance it. But then um, things like an excellent example, I say to them, I have to work hard every day to be an excellent example, and that affects how I react in meetings, what I say, how I write emails, how I'm talking to you now, right. not wanting to disappoint. So I let them in on what mine is and, and everything, but it is teaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever experienced like you didn't fit in? You know, that's interesting, Leslie, because uh, being my age uh, and the generation where uh, there were very few women in the C-level roles, mm -hmm. uh, I started Pilsner and Procter & Gamble. There weren't even any directors of departments yet, but as I said, I, you know, I had a lot of great male, male uh, bosses and, and mentors and uh, a few women. It never occurred to me, interestingly enough, that I was a woman ascending the corporate ladder. Maybe because I started in consumer packaged goods. I didn't start, and I was in the product area. I didn't start in technology, even though when I started running technology companies, you know, most of my employees, engineers, were men, uh, just a handful of women. But it, it, I noticed it, like all of a sudden when I got into the executive management team, many times there was only a woman reporting into the president or one of two. And certainly, I've been on a number of public and private boards, and the ones I've been on at least for years, I was the only woman. Mm -hmm. And that never stopped me from speaking out, mainly because I felt I had strong record and a strong personal brand. But you know, when you say you're competitive, I, I didn't. I didn't say I've got to beat Joe or I got to beat Sue. I just wanted to be the best, uh, mm -hmm. not just the best that I could be, but I, I did want to perform tremendously well because I did. I did want to get promoted. Two of my drivers uh, when I started my career: money, making money, and financial security. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, after a while. I made enough to have financial security, mm -hmm. but money is still a driver because um, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I want to be of great value. I just don't want to be, you know, a good deal. You don't want to be a good mm -hmm. deal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I never thought of myself as different that way, but obviously I knew there weren't a lot of women in the room, but it didn't. <laughs> It didn't negatively impact me. So. Right, but, the, but another theme that I'm sort of hearing also is that as long as you have your formula and you know what you are looking for and you've sort of operationalized it, 
the, the idea that you don't fit in doesn't sort of occur to you because you know how you're going to, even if you didn't at the right. beginning. Right. You know, uh, exactly. I, I, when I went and interviewed with Dr. John Malone at TCI, telecom, the largest cable company in the world, and they hired me to, to head up the digital TV division and figure out how to design a launch it with like a team of resilient people. And I interviewed and I said, I need a couple days. I need to talk to some people on the team. That was part of my process. So I could assess, you know, if, if this really worked to my strengths, then I could help them. So when I came back and I said to Dr. Malone, I can do this. I can do this for you better anybody else. I need two things. I need you to let me do it my way. I have a process. And mm-hmm. I said, two, you need to give me the budget and not take it away. Mm-hmm. So he said, fine. You know, if you don't do it, we'll fire you. I said, sure. So I went back to my hotel room in Denver and I called my mother. I said, I got the job. And she said, great. I said, I have no idea how to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, well, honey, you've really done well mm-hmm. in all these different companies. You must have a process. Why don't you write it down? So it took my mother to tell me that. And once <laughs> I did, you know, Good to go. Started my, yeah, it started my foundation. And I say to people, there are three things that build your foundation. Uh, your personal brand and upholding that, always, always uh, advancing the goal you're serving. And mm-hmm. that find a company or bring out a product. And the third one, during all of that, you always have to help others. You do those three things. That's my formula. I think you will be successful. And I do believe that. Camille, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting and I think helpful for our listeners. If our listeners wanted to find out more about you, how would they find you? Uh, they can just go to uh, the website, thejanegroup.com, and Jane has a Y in it. So thejanegroup.com tells everything about me and all my partner companies to help people and how to contact us. So that would be lovely. Thank you very much. This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital DIY startup platform for women. For more information on her guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. We believe in open and non-stigmatizing dialogue about the hidden psychological difficulties experienced by many successful entrepreneurs and highlighting the strategies used to overcome them, such as the fear of failure, of not being good enough, and that loud, chattering internal critic is critical to helping other founders achieve success. Please join her next week for more Mindset for Success stories. That was Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and you can drop her a line at dr.lesliekanudsen at dr.lesliekanudsen.com.